Hello, and welcome to the pep talk with your two favorite bald frauds, Sam and Jason, right after the second leg of Bayern Munich as City go through. Jason, has your heartbeat come back to normal yet? Ah, man, what a morning. So, yeah, five o'clock in the morning start for me, um, and the the heart rate was racing, you know, 120 BPM. (laughs) So... But look, we got through the tie. That's what mattered. But yeah, that was a nervy game. It, it, it's it's almost funny when you're when you're up three 0 You expect to be more relaxed. But man, that game, yeah, took a little bit out of me this morning. I'll tell you that much. What about you? How are you doing? Yeah, I kept getting uh, I kept getting notifications from my Apple Watch that my heart rate was abnormally high. So, <laughs> just Manchester City things very healthy, very normal. <laughs> yeah, just just had to ignore them all at least for the oh, time man. being. Uh, but other than that, good. It's I think it's back to normal now. We're through, and it like you said, like it was really weird because even at halftime, I was feeling nervous, and I'm like the rational part of me is like, dude, you're up three nil. With yeah. 45 minutes left, and you haven't given up a goal to them yet. What are you worried about? That that was um, exactly me. Because it, it, in the preview, we said, you know, if we take a, a nil or, or a 1 1 draw into half time, it's a good result. Like, you, they can't win from there. But in my, it, like, the way the game was going, I was like, I'm like, oh, this is, this is, this is not good for my health right now. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But with these moments, man, this, this is what it's all about. Yeah, it was it was really good that their goal came and it was just a consolation. Like the the crowd, I don't think even cheered when they scored. So that's good that 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 it came at that time instead of like in the first half and they have momentum behind them. And yeah, even if it came like right after Harlan scored, if it came like the 60th minute or 65th minute, that changes things straight away. You you've got time, but because it came so late, I could, yeah. It, 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 like you said, it, it was a consolation at the end, more than anything. Yeah. So let's get into it. What did you think of the first half as a whole? Like going into halftime, what were you thinking? How are you feeling? I mean, I know we're a little more emotional now, but what, what yeah. was going on in your head? So, so to be honest, the first half, the way it went, it kind of I kind of expected it to go that way. So the first ten minutes was pure pressure from Bayern. We probably didn't... I don't know if we string three or four passes together in that first 10 minutes. Probably not. Um, it was all Bayern. But again, the the defensive solidity at the back is what is so impressive. And I feel like we kind of got robbed of a clean sheet by the end of the game because um, those players deserved it, right? And for me, in that first half, it was like... I think Sam Lee did a really good tweet on it. He said... Um, you know, City had a penalty, a red card moment, and then 44 minutes of defending. And that's basically how the first half went. Um, and the lineup was the same as the first leg, so we didn't change much. We didn't um, tactically t- change anything. I feel like Bayern kind of did a little bit. They changed their lineup a little bit, so they went with a bit of a different, more attacking approach, uh, while we went more with a sustained pressure, because we knew it was going to come, right? And you could see the crowd. The crowd was up for it. Um, you know that Lions Arena was absolutely rocking. Um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys could hear the crowd as much as I could, but yeah, it was absolutely rocking on on my. Feet. Yeah, they were loud. 
They were it was very, loud. It was very loud. They were up for it. And, you know, if, if they nicked an early goal in that first 10 minutes, you know, the dynamic of the game changed. And, like that, and that's why the... I feel like that's why the heartbeats were so high for us and probably for you the same. You just knew if they scored one, that second goal could have come really quickly. And then you're in a, you're in a tight, tight, you know, semifinal, uh, quarterfinal game away um, at the Lions Arena. So that's where my fears were coming from. Like <laughs> like you said, you, you go in 3-0 and you're still nervous. You, you're wondering why and that's probably why, right? So but look, we we stood the pressure. I think once we hit that twenty fifth minute mark, we started to get into that get into the game a little bit. Um, we started putting a bit of passes together. We started um, attacking because this that's the thing we don't we didn't really attack. Every time we moved the ball up, we were hesitant to move the ball forward. And when we do play like that, it doesn't really suit up suit us. We like to just go forward and get a get a get an attack, move our centre backs up. Um, but you know, credit to Bayern Munich as well. They're a fantastic team. I feel like we're underrating as well in a, in a way how good they really are. Um, and it was always going to happen. They're always going to put that pressure on us. And you can see Pep. Pep looked stressed as hell. <laughs> that person probably looked worse than Pep was myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that City's the best team in the world and Bayern is probably the second best team in the world, at least in my opinion. Um, so... We knew it was going to be like this, and I think that's one thing that's different this year than previous years is that we're prepared for it. Like, we've been in games like this before, like Atletico, second leg, um, even in, like, the PSG matches the previous year. Like, we've been in these contests where City's not going to be able to dominate every second of every game. It's not... It's not the Premier League. Like, this is how the Champions League is. And so you have to be adaptable. You have to know how to play in different ways. And we knew that we were going to have to soak up the pressure tonight. Like, we knew they were going to have to come after us. And we were going to have to soak up the pressure. And I think the experience helps in this situation because they knew what to do. They defended incredibly well. Diaz organizing at the back. Uh, it was just, it was a great defensive performance. And, you know, we're all, obviously, I was nervous too in the first half, but, like, they didn't really have a ton of good looks, even in the first half. Like, mm-hmm. that's right. They they had that Sané through ball. Like, was it in the first half where Sané was through on goal and that was about it? And even then, like, Ederson had that angle closed. Like Ed- Ed- Edison's been fantastic at one v ones. He is surprising me. We've got to give him credit. That was a fun oh play. yeah. He he's pressuring at the right moment. He's actually going up. Like I noticed when Sane was was probably on the edge of the box, Edison was actually backing up into his own goal. And then when Sane got into the box, that's when he pressured up. He usually doesn't do that. And he's been doing it so much better the last few games. It's really impressive to see. So credit to Edison, man. He he had he's had a very very good two legs in terms of saves. And I think that's something that that's, needs to be pointed out, right? Something that Edison doesn't do. He doesn't do a lot of saves. And everyone's like, oh, he's got a terrible save percentage. Well, generally when a team gets a chance, it's a it's a 1v1 anywhere or a 2v1 or something like that. So the chance is very high anyway. But when in a game like this, where we are soaking up pressure, you can see he's got his quality. He's just making good saves. Yeah, and like, I think one of the best parts about that 
um, against that Sané chance because that was probably their best chance of the game um, is that he knows Sané is going far post. Sané always goes far post. And that angle was completely closed. Like, Sané missed it, and I don't think Ederson got a piece of it, but that's because that, like, he would have had to chip Ederson, and that would have been tough because Ederson was pretty close to him. Like, that, either that or he would have had to go, or he would have had to be pretty accurate at the near post, and maybe he could have fit it in, but that was about it. Like, Ederson did a really good job of closing that angle. And knowing you know, knowing that when Sané's running through like that, we've seen it a million times. He goes yeah. far post and can hit it right against that goal post like he did against Liverpool. So, yeah, I, uh, phenomenal goalkeeping by Ederson, not just for that, but the entire game. I thought he was he was very solid. Yeah, and really the other only chances they had in the first half were, so they, they were very threatening on the wings. They were getting behind us a lot. Um, and their pace of Komen and Sane were giving us were giving our centre backs trouble. So Aki got burnt a few times today, which is surprising. Usually he's very very good one on one, but he was slipping all over the pitch as well. Like the pitch was terrible, mind you, um, which is strange for a for a Bayern Munich semi um, quarter final in the Champions League to have such a pitch so terrible. Um, but yeah, he was, he was slipping all over the place and he was getting burnt a lot. Um, and then they, they put in a few decent crosses where no one was there to be on the end product, I guess, of, of those crosses. Besides that, that, that that's where I was most nervous. I was like, oh, crap, he comes in. You know, they're burning us. Uh, they're burning our defense, and then they're getting a nice crossing. But luckily, no one was there to to either finish it or we've had, we had a sample or someone like Rodri in, in there to, to head it away. And I think that's something that's very, very, been, you know, fantastic in the last these two legs is the center backs when when we are defending are clearing the ball almost perfectly um it's it's a lot of times we concede crappy goals when we um you know a poor 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 clearance something like that and then you know they get a goal off it something like that we didn't really do that in this game but that's what i felt yeah i thought the defending in the box is just so much better when Diaz and Ake and Stones are in there because like yeah. they're just positioned so well to where like cuz a lot of the time like you can't clear it because of poor positioning so like you're you're positioned so poorly that like you can barely get your toe on it and and you're not in a position to clear it but when you're positioned well you can get your head on it or you can easily bring it down and just boot it away and so I thought, you know, once again, it was a great job by the entire back line to just do that defending because that's that's a different skill to be able to defend like that in the box, have good positioning, good spatial awareness. And also, it didn't seem like Bayern were really throwing guys in the box. Like it they seemed like we had four guys in the it seemed like we had four guys in the box and it, going against like Chupa Moting and Musiala. You know what I mean? Like I, it didn't. Or and I thought what they could have done is like they could have had those late runners into the box, and they didn't do that. Like Kimmich or Goretzka, kind of like make those late runs into the box, and they probably would have been a little more successful. But they didn't do that. Like, do you feel like they're so, worried about the counter? Because the you know all I but at that point at that counter. point you just need to at that point you just need to go for it if you're them. Like, 
Who, yeah. when you're down three nil, you shouldn't be caring about the counter. You need to score. <laughs> like, so what yeah, if true. you use three nil or five nil or six nil on aggregate? <laughs> At that point, it doesn't matter. So, I I was surprised that they didn't have kind of more crowding of the box. And I think another great shout out was. Bernardo Silva did an incredible job on Cancelo. Oh, like, but not a, not a Silva with his two legs, man. Woo. Incredible. Yeah, like, <laughs> he, if you watch, like, he did not leave Cancelo alone the entire time. Cancelo, like, did you even see Cancelo, like, make any impact on the game? He, he, like, had, a, no. he, had, a, he had a couple of, like, nice moves when he moved into midfield. Um, he, I can't remember who he burned with like a nice little dribble. I think it was Kevin De Bruyne, maybe or maybe Gundogan. Um, but but as, outside of that, uh, to be honest, I feel like he done better than Davies did in the first leg. I don't Even really think so. I think they were both pretty similar in that. Like he, if you watch Bernardo and his positioning, he is making sure that Cancelo cannot cut in on his right. Like yeah, so he's making Cancelo go to the outside, and so. He's really limiting the playmaking ability because Cancelo really has that playmaking ability. Like he could have easily, if if there was somebody else there that didn't have the awareness of Bernardo, he could cut inside and deliver those lofted balls to the back post, and those are so dangerous. And he honestly he couldn't do it. Like he did not have any real space to operate, and that was due to Bernardo and like the way he pressed his body positioning. And just knowing the player he's going against. He did the same thing with Davies. Like, it was the exact opposite with Davies. He did not let him overlap. And mm-hmm. that was a big thing is just, like, you got to shade him into one side and make them uncomfortable. And That's, Bernardo then, you know, is the best at that. Bernardo, yeah, look, he is a fantastic footballer. And again, the things he does do not show up in any statisticals that you can ever look at. It's not going to show up anywhere. You only know it when you actually watch the game, see what he does in and out with his dribbling around, with his ball control, ball retention, smart positioning. You know, he is a high IQ footballer that does the right things all the time. It is seriously impressive. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. Did you see? Oh, we'll get to this later. Maybe was it? Did you see Mizrawi's quote after the game? No. What was? What did he say? So this is his quote. He says, "Quote: I am disappointed with the current situation. I was a starter here before the World Cup, and now I'm fit and don't get any game time. I'm not even second or third choice." It's too early to talk about my perspective, but not good. Is that Musiala? No, that's that's Mazraoui, the their right back. He's the right back ah. that they got from Ajax. Ah, okay, interesting. Yeah, that's and typical typical Hollywood FC. It's <laughs> just that's kind of like you wouldn't expect somebody to just come out and say that. You know what I mean? Like that. Like how would. We would be, if there was somebody like Kyle Walker just came out and said that after a world or after a Champions League match that he didn't play in, that's crazy. 
Yeah, look, uh, for me, it's typical Hollywood FC from Bayern Munich. You know, after the first leg, you had Mane punching Sane. Um, <laughs> just typical of them. And and look, they made, a, in my opinion, they made a poor decision hiring Tuchel this close to a seal quarters. You know what I mean? Like, but you know, they wanted Tuchel, they got him, and I think it's more about next season for them. And now they know the season's basically over for Bayern. It's just about the league title if they're going to wrap it up, and they they will. Let's be honest. <laughs> they'll get Oops, yeah. <laughs> they'll what eleven yeah. in a row, twelve in a row, um, something yes. like that. Yeah, they'll they'll be Dortmund out for it. But they have been playing poorly in their league, and it is really the. the I agree with you. The timing of the decision to hire Tuchel is very odd because Bayern are generally a very well run club. Like they're normally very well run, and that just screams rash and not like I think there's there had to be some sort of falling out with Nagelsmann or else they just wouldn't have got like he was winning basically everything yeah I, I during think that come, time yeah I think it comes down to them not being them not wanting to lose out in Tuchel there are rumors that Madrid wanted Tuchel um so I, I guess it's just them yeah but, Thomas, to yeah, but Thomas Tuchel was available since September. So if they really wanted him, they could have gotten him at any time. That's why it's it's just really weird that after a run of good games, by the way, that they're like, you know what? We're going to get rid of Nagelsmann right before the final. Just or right Hollywood before F- the, the quarterfinals. Just Hollywood FC, man. <laughs> That's just them in a nutshell, basically. <laughs> this is what they do, honestly. It, they're literally Hollywood FC for a reason, right? <laughs> They've always got something going on in the back scenes. Um, they'll, they'll probably deflect it now, anyway. They'll, they'll like say, you know, must be the old, all the, all the old money <laughs> causing these issues. But nah, look, yeah, just- Oliver Kahn's <laughs> gonna come out tomorrow and say, "Well, we don't <laughs> yeah. have a state backing us up, and that's why we lost." Like, yeah, yeah. Give me, me a break. Kind- you, look at the players you yeah. brought on. <laughs> <laughs> we okay, can't afford I don't Holland. Hear it. <laughs> oh man, typical. What, what about what do you think of the um the referee in terms of that red card decision? Um, and then obviously he got pulled back from the offside. But I was very surprised I quickly pulled out that red card. The red card decision was correct. I it at was correct, first yeah. when I saw at first when I saw the offsides, it did not look offsides. And then when no, they showed like the technology. I was like, okay, like if you got technology behind it, then I can't really argue with that. <laughs> so, but like that was a hundred percent a red card. Like, Upa Makano was shocking in a completely different way today. Like, he was actually pretty good on the ball, uh, which he was terrible on the ball against last week at the Etihad. <laughs> but then he was like shocking in defending. Like, he's slipping all over the place, and that's what. That's what got Holland his goal. And like you said, the pitch was terrible. Like, people were slipping, sliding all over the place. I know uh, Brian Bulaga, great city fan and former Packers offensive lineman, said that um, when the NFL played a game at Byron Stadium this past year, that the NFL players were complaining about their pitch as well. So, it seems like it's a pattern over there. But, yeah, I mean... They need, some more Audi. Was shocking. They, need, they need some more Audi sponsorship to afford new pitch. 
Yeah. Yeah, they <laughs> they need more they need more Adidas sponsorship or something like that. But <laughs> honestly, like Yeah, Upa Makano was shocking again. Like that was a red card. Yeah. Anybody who's arguing that is that is about as nailed on a red card. Like cuz yeah, if Upa Makano doesn't touch him, that's a goal. And so, like, that's that's as pure a red card as you can get. I don't think yeah, anybody can argue with that. Very, very poor decision for him to to make that tackle on Haaland as, as you're behind him where he's 1v1 with a goalkeeper. He got lucky. He got lucky. And it was funny. I was, I was reading some buying comments, and they're like, like, don't worry. He'll fuck up somewhere else. And then, like, literally five minutes later, he puts his hand out and blocks a shot from Gundogan. <laughs> yeah. So they, they they're quite used to upper command of like stuffing up and doing mistakes. So um you know, and then that was another key penalty as well. Like he had his hands behind his back. I've seen people arguing like oh it's not really fair he was close to the ball, but in Champions League that's always going to be a, a, a penalty because he had his hands behind his back, so he had a, he had him in a natural position to start, but then as the shot went off, he decided to spread his arms out like wings as he was jumping backwards um, and his arm basically changed the, the, tra- the trajectory of the ball. So it's a, it's a clear pen. So for me, yeah, he- yellow, yellow card and clear pen, it's, it's, it's nailed on. Like you can't even argue that. I don't know why people were trying to even argue that. Yeah. You can't argue that. Like his hands were not behind, like his hands were behind his back, but then they weren't behind his back because his arm was out when the ball hit That's his it. arm, his arm was out. That's if there's especially there is a zero percent chance you can argue a kanji was a pen and that was not a pen. So you can't argue it. Like anybody who is trying to argue that we'll, we'll come to that. They, kanji they're, decision. Just, they're just being biased. So we'll come, it, we'll that, come was to the, a, that was a pen. Yeah, we'll come to the kanji. I actually don't think that was a pen, but we'll come to that in a second. Um, so we, I think we finally jinxed Harland. <laughs> You know, went from clinical. I was talking about the other days, and he he was a ninety five percent penalty shooter. Um, he hasn't he hadn't missed a penalty. That was his nineteenth penalty um, in a row. Where he, if he scored, it would be in his nineteenth in a row. So he finally missed one. Which is look, if he's if he's a ninety to ninety five percent shooter, he's gonna miss one every ten or every fifteen. So he can't he can't he can't get them all. And I'd rather him miss one in this game when we're up three nil than in the Champions League final or. <laughs> or in the next leg, although percentages and pro- probabilities don't really work that way. But you know, get it out of the way now. <laughs> get, get that yeah, miss out of the way. <laughs> yeah, it's better to miss one now when it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> yeah, that basically. happen. Uh, but but that penalty when I when when he missed, I was like, oh my god, are we actually doing this? Like that was for me. That was like you go in, you've had all the pressure to get a penalty there, and then to be able to score, you'd go up four nil just before half time. I'm like ties done and then when he missed i'm just like fucking hell i just i just want my heart rate to go down harlan give me a break man <laughs> what what i'm wondering and i'd have to go back and look at the penalty in slow motion is was it something with the turf because you saw right before Probably. leon leon goretzka went and like picked up a chunk of grass off the turf probably for some gamesmanship but also like it could have been something where like if your foot slides even half a centimeter that can put you off so, yeah. on, on a penalty kick. So that could have happened. I don't know. But I, I think he scuffed I, I'm not a little ruling bit. it out. I think he scuffed scuffed the shot a little bit. He I think he went with a lot of power 
which is which is what he usually does. But because of the way the pitch was so slippery, you know, like you said, a little scuff can change the tra- trajectory of the shot so much, especially when you're putting so much power into it. Um, but yeah, look, it, it's uncharacteristically from Harlan because he usually puts them on target. That's the main thing. So, and this is what something that you know, as a penalty taker, you always say is put it on target and then worry about the less rest later. When you're when you're skying it over the bar, you know something has gone really really wrong. For me, always as a penalty taker, you need to put it on target. You know, we've missed a lot of penalties where it goes over the bar, like Mares, Gundogan, Haaland. I can recall all the times. It's usually against Liverpool, unfortunately. Um, but to me, always try to put the penalty on target. For me, that was very, very unlike Haaland. So, look, it happens. Like I said, I'd rather him miss it yeah. now um, in hindsight, in 2020 hindsight, but I'd rather him miss it now than somewhere later on. Um, for me, yeah, it happens. He's going to miss one eventually. He was, the, he, he's, he was never he's never a Yaya Toure penalty taker, but he is a high, high percentage penalty taker, and you've you got to live with those misses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's gonna happen. I like. I really think there's something that might have happened with his plant foot, and that's what potentially yeah. put him off. But we don't know, it, and it's kind of immaterial now. So yeah, it, it, it uh, took so it took so long to take the penalty as well. I think that played a little bit of effect. Like, the the ref was talking to Harlan for like thirty seconds about something, God knows what, and then he had multiple players come and try you know, crowding um, from the bind team. And then when they went back, then uh, was it, you said Goretzka when he came and picked something off the floor. Um, was it Goretzka or Kimmich? Um, yeah, I think it was Goretzka. The, yeah, he picked something off the floor and threw it back into the crowd or whatever it was. Um, I think it looked like a piece of plastic or a piece of grass. I don't know what the hell it was, but whatever it was, it just, it just took so long for the penalty to actually be taken. I think it was like the, probably the two to three minutes of just sitting there waiting for the penalty to be taken. And that that... That that affects some, like it could affect you. You know what I mean. So, I personally, like it is what it is. It, you take it. You go. At least we went into halftime nil all, and that's that's the main thing. So, you know, once we once we missed the penalty, I was just like, oh god, please don't concede now because that would just up the ante for the second half. But going into second half nil all, how do you feel? I felt. Still bad, like still nervous, but <laughs> still I felt bad. less. I felt less nervous because I'm like, it's 45 minutes. Like, come on, it's 45 minutes. They just spend a lot of energy in the first half <laughs> for with nothing really. Like, Byron wasted a lot of energy coming at us and and got no result from it. So, but obviously, still nervous. My heart rate didn't go down at halftime. So. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of how I felt, and then you know we started off better. It's it looked like we were finally starting to get our footing in the game at the end of the first half, and we were able to kind of play out better because we were not playing out well in the first half at all, and we could finally get out and really have numbers going forward as they kept pushing. Yeah, that that was a big thing. Bayern got a bit tired, I think. They they let they got a bit leggy. Yeah, I mean they got leggy, but also like when you're trying to score three goals in a half against Manchester City, you have to push forward because you know, like I said before, it doesn't matter whether you win three nil or whether you lose three nil or six nil in a tie. So you have to push everyone forward, and if you get beat on the break, oh well. But 
you have to do that. And so that's what they did. And, uh, you know, we were able to punish them for one. You know, got lucky that Upamakano slipped and fell. But it was a perfect counterattack. And it was 14 seconds before, like, they had one of their better chances of the game. Komen flashed it across goal. And there was just nobody there to, to tap it in. And then 14 seconds later, Holland puts it in the net. And De Bruyne, like, played that counterattack perfectly. He Because... I was worried he was going to either pass it too early or too late. And he like timed the pass perfectly. And then Upamakano slipped Holland's one-on-one and just blasts it right in. I don't think he slipped. Upamakano? Yeah. I think he went to the ground thinking Holland was going to shoot. And then no, look look at that again. He fell, he fell over. He slipped. And, but but if you look at the reverse replay or maybe, maybe I want to give Holland a bit more credit than just Upamakana slipping. When he went to ground, so he kind of blocked off the low shot, which Haaland likes. But then what he what Haaland did, I don't know if anyone noticed, but from the reverse angle, he chips Upamakano, right? He does like a little chip to go through. Like he, done a, he actually did a dribble. <laughs> he done a fantastic dribble through and then just skied it into the net. It was, it was a fantastic piece of skill and something that's quite... That's a bit like um, unnoticed. See, I saw it as Upamakano slipping, but I, but he, yeah, I th- I think, I, to I think, me it I looked think, like Upamakano slipped and fell on the on the grass. I think it was a combination of him slipping and trying to block the shot or trying to get a tackle in, right? So like he, he, he got caught in two minds. Maybe it was a slip, but for me, what Harlan did after was very impressive. He actually dribbled through it and actually picked up the ball. So like he. He like done it like a little Bernardo, little flick over him, and then um, you know got through even even further like one on one to the keeper away from up up Makano and just yes yeah, skied it into the net. It looks a fantastic finish. What a finish! So so and I, I, and I, and I'm and that watching was his third it back. Big chance. That was his third big chance. So I'm watching it back. I mean, the first thing is Holland started that because he won the header against the Ligt, which was great, and then De Bruyne passed it off to him. Upa Makano definitely slipped, but then he tried to recover, and it was just too late. Holland was already past him. So he yeah. slipped and then tried to recover, and then Holland had it flicked by him, and he was one-on-one, and it was over by yeah. that point. Did you, did, you see the reverse but, ang- did you see the reverse angle, though, of how Holland actually chipped him? Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's that what was... I, that's, what, that's the piece of skill that I just want to highlight from Holland because, you know, everyone's like, oh, Holland's just a tapping merchant, you know what I mean? But he has... Decent dribbling skills. He has decent link-up play. He has decent ability on the ball. So for him to do that, take it under control, um, you know, with Abumakano slipping in front of him and obviously trying to block him, uh, for him to actually still be able to dribble that under com- with, you know, with composure and then to sky it straight into the net. Whew, what a finish. Yeah, I mean, anybody who thinks he's a tap-in merchant is just a hater, quite honestly. Like, they, <laughs> they don't know anything. Anybody who knows anything even from another team, knows that he's an incredibly good player. So, yeah. whatever. And, and and like you said, that 14-second that sequence, <clears throat> that to me was peak reverse Uno, Manchester City. That reminds me so much of when we're applying so much pressure to a team, trying to get a goal desperately, and then we have a fantastic chance to score, and then 20 seconds later, they're doing a counterattack and they're scoring on the other end. We we did to buy in what other teams have done to us on the counter. And that was that's that was like so good for me to to like 
have that moment where it's like, yeah, we just done that to you guys rather than someone else doing to us. It feels good when <laughs> when you're when someone's applying all that pressure and then you go get a nice counter attack. And 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 this is what this team is built now. It's we have that capability because we do have a strong defense, and then we have a Kevin De Bruyne who can almost land a pass anywhere, and then you've got a fantastic lethal finisher up front. You know, you combine all those things together and you can play multiple styles. And that's what's that's what's that's what I like the most about this team. We can play multiple styles to fit the game that we need to play. And that's what that's what you kind of need in the Champions League. You need I feel like in the past, so you look at 17, 18, 18, 19, even the year we had the false nine, the way we played was always we need to create so many chances to get a few goals, or our defense wasn't solid enough, so we had we felt like we had to score more. But this year, I feel like we are very, very good in these open games because of the Haaland, Kevin De Bruyne, and that defense factor. Yeah, because he has the pace too and can just take a top off of a defense, then like that yeah, that extra element is what you... like. This is why you buy a player like Holland. Yeah. You buy him to score goals out of nothing in the Champions and, League. And basically that's so, what that was, right? It was from nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we were threatening. That was really from nothing. And Holland also, right before that, had a really good chance and just kicked it straight at Summer. Yeah, he he had there was two things that he could have done there, right? He could have either obviously put a better shot on, or he could have afflicted onto Kevin De Bruyne for an open goal, right? Yeah. So he had he had multiple choices there, but it goes to show he will get two to three big chances. He is scoring one of them, and the, one, one of the other and one of the other big chances he missed was a penalty. He's not missing much of those in future either. You know, he's like I said, he's a ninety five percent shooter from from the spot, so. That's what he brings to your team. He is he'll you only need one to two chances. You know what I mean? So which is why I'm a lot more confident going now playing Madrid, because when I look at last year, what we did and how much chances we created, we missed so many chances. And now we've got a clinical finisher up front. So it changes the dynamic. This team is very, very different to a traditional city team or under Pep Guardiola. It's completely different. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. They they can adapt to many they can adapt to games like this where they're not fully in control with the ball. Yeah. And, and uh, that's something that they haven't been able to do before. Yeah, and, and like you, and like we said, this Jahalan created four key moments in this game, right? So the red card defense, you know, slightly offside. If he's, you know, not even half a meter back more, even less probably, that's a red card, changes the entire game. Penalty, if it goes in, changes the game. That big chance where he passed, could have passed De Bruyne or could have scored, and then you've got the goal itself. So that's four chances, massive game-changing chances in a game where we were not dominant. It's huge. That's what he does. That's 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 what he brings to the City team. We don't we didn't, we haven't had that in the past. It's been it's it's very different. It's very different play style. So you know we can sit back with you know eight players behind the ball and then have Kevin De Bruyne and, and and Haaland up front, creating a chance out of nothing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, well, so let's move. I mean, we, we've kind of covered the entire match at this point. I mean, there's not it's much more the, to say other than the, that the only thing is a penalty. The only thing left is a penalty, right? The penalty oh, yeah. they got. That's a terrible call, by, by the way. It should not be a penalty. And what's annoying about it is, and this is what's annoying about this handball rule 
<clears throat> in the VAR in the VAR era is in reality that's not really a pen, right? And the angle they showed the ref, he didn't even get to see the full context of how Mane kicked it off Akanji's foot. The ball bounces up into his arm at literally. There's literally no space, right? Like they're right next they're to point each other. blank range, point, point blank range, point blank range, and they are calling that a penalty. What is he going to do with his arms? He, it went off his foot. So the only angle they showed the referee when he went to the screen was the ball literally hitting his arm. What about the context of hitting his leg first and then going up into his arm? To me, look, it's again, the handball rule is a shambles. Like, I was reading a comment that said, they might as well, they might as well, you know, you've probably got a better chance of aiming your, your shots at people's arms than going for proper crosses. And you know what? From an XG point of view, it's probably better. <laughs> you, you're more likely to hit someone's arm than putting a cross in and getting a chance. It's not, to well, me, you, it takes away from the game. It's like, this is not football. I understand if someone's stopping a shot, but what, what was Mane doing? He's not even putting a cross in. He's literally just, he's literally aiming at his arm. He's kicking it up into the sky. It's it's like, it, what 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 has a kanji stopped with it hitting his leg and then hitting his arm? It's like, why? Well, that's it's not like, even that. It's like, that the rule is applied so inconsistently. Like, how many times have we seen during a match where it hits a player's arm from point-blank range and they just don't call it, and us, like, as fans are like, well, that's fair. Because Yeah, like, exactly, exactly. But it, to be fair, Premier League applies different rules to UEFA. Even for handballs? Even for handballs. So so Premier League at point-blank range do not call those, and we've seen plenty of examples where, you know, Chelsea's blocked the, you know, Chelsea's blocked something or Brighton or Tottenham. We've seen it plenty of times where they think it's too close, they don't call it. But when it comes to UEFA and the Champions League, they've been calling these a lot. But that one was so close. And the fact... So, like, the Gondon one, I understand, where he kicked it, he's taken a shot at goal, and then Upamakano's arm is literally blocking a shot on target. I get that, right? But the Mane one is not doing anything. That's why I'm, like, baffled. I'm just like, what... Well, what it does, what that, advantage? That, I think that part doesn't even matter. Like that part it doesn't, doesn't matter. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. But that's why. I'm, that's why it's. It's like we need con- like for a handball ruling. You kind of want to apply a bit of context and a bit of common sense. We're not the right now. The rule and it's probably the rule the way it's written is there is no common sense or logic. It's if he hits an arm in the box, it's a penalty. The man doesn't not matter about the context, and that's something. And this is the problem with football. It's not black and white. It shouldn't be black and white. It is there is a so, lot of gray area in football, right? So it's like a foul. A foul is a subjective, right? A foul is subjective. Same thing with a penalty. It's a lot of it is subjective. Like, did he get enough contact? Did he get enough, etc. But the handball rule right now is black and white, and that's to me a bit of an issue. Like, like if this was a close game, a nil all game, and that decision sends you out of the Champions League, you'd be fuming. You'd be absolutely fuming. Can you imagine we had a 1-0 lead and that's all we had in this leg and they get that penalty call and we go to extra time and lose it? You'd be fuming. Anyone would be fuming. Any team would be fuming about a call like that because in reality, like, what could a Kanji do? What's he going to do with his arms? Does he need to chop his arms off? Like, come on. I don't know. To me, it's just it's a lot of grey area, a lot of black and white rules where I feel like, yeah, that's my little rant about referees and football refereeing. <laughs> 
not gonna so get, let me any, ask, get me anywhere. <laughs> let, let me ask you a question. If that's the UEFA black and white rule, does that mean that City wins the 2018-19 Champions League on account of Fernando Llorente's arm so, so hitting the, the ball the, right into the net? <laughs> so the thing is, they've changed the rule three times since then, right? So at the time when Llorente hit it off his arm, that move was legal, right? The next year they changed it. You're not allowed to do that anymore. So if, if any part of your arm touches the ball and it results in a direct goal from that player. So this is the funny thing, right? So this, this is where the rule gets even more funny. If your arm hits the ball, right? And then you pass it off, like let's say like Lorente, similar to what Lorente did. Let's say he, he hit his arm, came down, passed it off to someone else, and then they scored, that counts. However, if he scored directly from controlling the ball with his arm, similar to now, similar to what he did in 2019, they will cancel the goal. Do you see how mad that is? <laughs> That's how the rules currently are with a handball. It is so they, they've got black and white rules in there, but they don't make sense because there's no logic applied to it, right? Before there was there was it was up to the discretion of the referee, but which what what it was causing was inconsistency with the referee's decision. So they made it black and white, and now it's consistent, but it's terribly consistent into the fact where you can literally shoot at a player's arms and you're getting a penalty. You understand? Like that's 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 where I'm just like. Oh, <laughs> it's fresh, and and it could happen to us in the, in the semi-finals or the or the Champions League final. Yeah. Point blank shot at someone's arm, and then you're getting a penalty. Changes the entire dynamic of a game. It should not a, a rule like that should not affect a game so much. And we were, we were fortunate. It was 81st minute or 82nd minute, and we had already got a four 0 lead on aggregate. So we were very fortunate. Like it was a consolation at the end of the day, but. That was a close game. That could have been huge ramifications. You know, we defended yeah. so well for 83 minutes. And if, imagine we didn't have that aggregate score to back us. Suddenly you're in a 1-1 draw. Imagine that. Crazy. Crazy that a, a decision like that can affect the game so much. And that's that's more of my issue with it. I understand when it's blocking a shot. That's, that's, that's how I feel about it. I understand when it's blocking a shot. But when you're at point-blank range... Hits your foot first and then goes into your arm. What are you going to do about it? What can a kanji do differently then? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's dumb as well. But you know, yeah, like I it said, is what it is. We, we got. Yeah, it is what it is. We got the win. I just wanted Let's to rant. On. I just wanted to rant a little bit about referees. <laughs> There's never a wrong time to rant about referees. That that I do now. So. All right. Through to the semifinals. Let's Real Madrid semifinals. Sound familiar? Yep. I, I know I know. we were talking earlier and uh, your PTSD is starting to kick in. Am I right? <laughs> well, yeah. That's the thing is like you can throw any stat at me. City is better than last year. They score more goals than last year. Madrid is worse <laughs> than last year. None of that matters. None of it, okay? And I'll tell you why, because it's Madrid. This is what they do. They've done it, to, like, at some point, it's not luck. Like, I kept thinking for years and years and years, like, this is Madrid getting lucky. And at some point, it's just not luck. Like, they just, they, they create their luck weirdly somehow. And that's the part that scares me more than anything. I can tell you for a fact exactly, City will dominate both legs dominate them 
dominate the ball, dominate the chances. If you look at XG charts, by the end of the game, City is going to have a lot and Real Madrid is going to have a little. But none (laughs) of that matters. (laughs) Yeah, like none of it matters. And because, like, they still have world-class players no matter how old they are. Like, they still have Benzema. They still have Modric, Vinicius, Rodrigo. Who, like, those are still very good players. And Courtois. Courtois, on top of it all, like, can just make the craziest saves ever and you can't score a goal. So, like, it's just that's what worries me more than anything. Like, I'm not worried. I know City's going to dominate the game. I know City's going to create way more chances. I know all of that. It's that it's the intangible stuff that you can't measure that Real Madrid just seems to pull out of their ass every single time. (laughs) And that's like, that is the, it's, that's just, that's Madrid. That's what I worry about more than anything. I feel like we'll do them this year. That's my that's my feeling right now. Maybe I'm a bit overconfident. Let me think about it a bit more. You know, maybe I'm still riding on the high and the high 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 BPM from this morning, um, <laughs> all that adrenaline coming through your body. But I feel like we'll do them. Uh, well, yeah, we're my- a way better team. Like we yeah. are a far better team. If Real Madrid played in the Premier League, they'd be fighting for top four. Okay. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. 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 You know what I mean? Like they'd be they'd be in that like United Newcastle range. They would not be up with City and Arsenal. So Yeah, they they are struggling in La Liga, which is strange. Yeah, like there is They are a weird team, man. <laughs> yeah, like they so City are a far better team and City will play far better for the vast majority of the two legs. I can almost guarantee you that. I can tell you how the game is going to go. But Really, the only time I'll really feel confident is if City batter them like six nothing in the first leg or something crazy. <laughs> At Which, the burnabout. honestly, like it could happen. Like, what is surprise you? About? <laughs> I don't. I don't even care about that. It's just that, like, would it surprise you if Holland scored four goals in one game against them? No. Like, no, the, I, I don't think they're really that good. It's just, it's just, it's Real Madrid. And it's, so, honestly, it kind of reminds me of it kind of reminds me of like City in the Premier League. Like, notice how City is four points behind Arsenal, and Arsenal's like conceding the title already because they know the Premier League. Like, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, City is going to sneak up on you, and they're going to win it because they're going to be flawless near the end of the season. That's what's happened to Liverpool a couple times. And you can see Arsenal, they're shitting themselves because they know, like, City's been in this situation many times, and they're four points ahead, and they're already conceding the title race because they know. That's what it's like having Real Madrid in the Champions League. Just times by 10. <laughs> yeah, look, it, look, I, I, know, I know what you're saying. I, exactly, I know how you feel. and But I feel like a lot of people are putting a lot of, um, you know, the, the juju they did to us at the burnabout in that last three minutes of madness in that second half, you know, from the 90th minute to the 93rd minute, right? It's a game of fine margins, right? And I feel like this year is different. We play the margins better, so much better. And because we've got Haaland, I feel like we will beat them comfortably. 
maybe I'm going to regret saying that, but I feel like we will beat them comfortably. I actually think... And look, I'll probably reg- <laughs> I regret this in a couple of weeks when, when they've done another juju against us. But look, I'm, I'm, I'm surprisingly optimistic. I'm not usually optimistic in, in Champions League games when it comes to Manchester City, but I am, I am for these two legs. I feel like we want the revenge as well. They got the better of us last year in literally five minutes of madness in that second half. They did a probably 10-minute madness in the first leg as well. Um... And we gave up two penalties in that game. Like, we've given up... It, it, to me, like I said, it's a game of fine margins and we're playing the margins better this year. And on top of that, we don't have Fernandinho playing right back um, against Vinicius Jr., which is a huge boost. Like, and if you... I don't know if you guys remember from last season, like last season, we had... Um, when Fernandinho was on the pitch, that's when they scored most of their goals because he was playing out of position at right back. And he was getting burned because he's 38 years old. But when Walker was pitched, Madrid didn't create much. Like we, yeah, Walker came off injured because we rushed him back for injury for that game. Correct. And then yeah. he went off injured, and, and that's when we started, had to go there. Apart. And that's when we fell apart again. Like it's, it always tends to happen that way. Where and look, there's a, a while away now till the first leg. I think it's 20 days from now, so it's the 10th of May. So we still got we still got a fair bit of time till then. So hopefully no injuries between now and then. We do have the Aki injury already to worry about. He looks he looked like he died his hamstring, which is a bit of a worry. I'm hoping it's a tweak, but if it is a serious hamstring injury, he's out four to six weeks. So that's most of the season. That's literally I'd say the running of the entire season. He might be back for a Champions League final. You know what I mean? So and then now we're very thin. Like we've we've been playing four centre backs every game, and you're. Basically, you're playing your fifth choice now if you're playing that same system. So it'll be interesting to see if Pep has to change the system um, to suit Aki being out. Does he put Laporte there permanently and then rotates Walker in and out when he needs to to give people respite? But it's going to be... Look, It's we are in the deepest running now. Like uh, The end of the season, title charge is going to be absolutely... Not, I don't know why Arsenal fans are so... Worried. We've got literally in the last week of the season, we've got Chelsea at home. Then midweek we play Brighton away, and then the last game of the season is Brentford away. That is three huge games, huge games. You'd hope they'd be on the beach, but generally teams don't, are not on the beach, especially Brighton and Brentford, who could potentially be playing Europe next season. So they might still have something to play at the end of the season. Um, in in Arsenal's defense, like they have a much tougher schedule than City, so I don't like, think so. If they can. Yeah, they yeah they do, and so who who does Arsenal? The, the way f- they they got Newcastle they f- away, they have Chelsea away, they have no Chelsea's at home. Chelsea's at home. So so if you look at their actual fixtures, right, they are home for five out of the remaining for the remaining eight games. I'm pretty sure. All right, so they have, yeah, so they have Newcastle away. They have Brighton at home. They have wolves like that. Those aren't easy fixtures, uh, at least compared to they, ours. Like their they're tough, their toughest games are the four after Southampton, right? Which is City away, right? Which is to me a, a, a massive title decider. If if they win that game, they basically win the title. That's 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 my. Opinion. I don't think they'll drop enough points for us to win the title from there. But the other three games is Chelsea at home. They should beat Chelsea at home. They beat them away already, and Chelsea are shambles. Like they can't even score a goal, right? 
The other tough game is Newcastle away and then Brighton at home. They should do Brighton at home. They are, Arsenal are very, very good at home. They're not, they haven't been... I think they've lost one game all season at home and it was to us and the, they've only drawn another game which was against Newcastle. So No, they've drawn a couple games at home. Have they? Recently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They just drew... Uh, Okay, they've drawn two. They've drawn two games, so I'm guessing that uh, maybe against Everton. No, Brentford. Be- Brent, Brent, Brentford got the away draw against them. Plus, so Brentford away. Sorry, Brentford at the Emirates have got a got a result, and then Newcastle, and then us. So only three teams have got a result at the Emirates. So they've actually dropped points. The, the, it's. I think it's not just that though. It's their form. Like they look like they look terrible. And Rob Holding is their center back. Let me repeat that. Rob Holding is their center yeah. back. To be fair, Saber is a huge miss for him. That is, Massive. they they are playing completely different when so Saliba is very very good at progressing the ball into positions. So he's he's very very good on the ball and he his progressive passing is amazing. I think he's got one of the highest percentages in the league in terms of like getting the ball forward. Rob Holding cannot do that role. So. They're trying to play the same system, but with Rob Holding doing it. But, you know, not sure when Saliba will be back. Apparently, he might be back for the City game, so we'll see. But then I think they're rushing him back, which is probably not the best not thing good. to do. No, not and good. He's, especially for a 21-year-old, he shouldn't be risking his career for a few games, but um, especially because it's a back injury, which can become worse, right? So, but, Yeah, because can you imagine Erling Haaland going against Rob Holding? <laughs> like, can you imagine... <laughs> That happened, I think, in the FA Cup match, and they subbed holding at halftime because Saliba, he yeah. was getting couldn't, done. He couldn't deal with him. He couldn't deal with him. Yeah, like he Holland was away on one, and holding held him back, and it was like a borderline yellow red card. Like there was yeah. a couple other guys back, but Holland would have been through on goal if he wasn't held, and holding got a yellow card, and then halftime he gets yanked. So. That's like that's worrying. Zinchenko losing his form is worrying. Like I think I think Zinchenko that team got is not as well. That and he like did he get injured? I thought he got benched because he nah, like, he had a groin injury. Well, either way, like he hasn't been in the best form. Tyranny hasn't been in the best form. Like that, they, they are feeling, not playing. That's the other thing the is like City. City, you know, their baseline is ninety something points, whereas Arsenal, like. You didn't know if they could keep this up the entire season. So it might be them reverting back to the mean. Like they were playing above their capabilities before. Now they might be playing a little below it. But like, I don't know if their baseline is as good as cities. And I think we're starting to see that. Like, it's really hard to be that good and consistent for an entire season. And we're starting to see that now. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if they just dropped some more points other than at City. The biggest thing for Arsenal is they have played a very, very consistent starting 11. So their starting 11 has done 85% of the Premier League minutes. Um, their top nine players in that starting lineup. So if you not if you don't include Jesus in this calculation because he did miss most of the season with an injury, he's like 92% or 91% or something like that. Something ridiculous. So they've played a very consistent lineup. The downside of playing such That's a because they have no depth. That's why. They they do have depth, but Arteta hasn't rotated at all, which means now that we're in the business end of the season 
and suddenly you need to swap players because you've got injuries, they suffer even more because those players are not capable capable of stepping into those roles where they haven't played a season. And this is the advantage of constantly rotating a squad of 16 to 17 players in cities, cities um, where the way City's doing it, where we can feed other players into the team and you don't feel the drop-off that much. As soon as Arsenal put a different player in, they feel the drop-off, right? But if they had given the opportunity for them to build their squad up, then maybe they wouldn't be in this position. So, Yeah, though that's kind of the other thing too is like, okay, yeah, they have depth, but their depth is a drop-off. Like once they go to anyone outside of their starting 11, there's a drop-off. Like yeah. Tomiyasu is a drop-off from Ben White, or a little drop-off. Other than that, at like you see it right now. Saliba gets injured, Rob Holding. If Party gets injured, you're bringing on old Jorginho. Or if Party was bad, like he was the last game. And they've blown the last two leads. That's even more worrying. That's, that, that, that they've is, blown that two two-nil leads. And West Ham legitimately had some good chances to score at the end, too. Like that Liverpool should have definitely won. And West Ham had some chances. So like they're they're just not controlling games like they used to. And like I said, you see some drop-offs. Like you see if if Leandro Trossard, who's a decent player, but you see a drop-off between him and Martinelli. Martinelli hasn't been in the best form either. And you also see, like, they have Jesus and Nketiah as their s- strikers. We've been telling them ever since they signed Jesus, he's not the greatest of finishers. They're starting to see that now. Like, he can go in good runs of form, but if he's injured and it takes some time to get back, like, he's just gonna, he's going to revert back to his mean. And I think we're just kind of seeing that with everyone. We're seeing, like, Granite Chaka is probably not one of the best eights in the world. Like, all, I think all of these things are just starting to come back to them, and they were just kind of performing out of their mind. And I think they'll continue to get better as long as they build quality depth. But right now, there's a massive drop in quality with their starting eleven, and there's nobody after the starting eleven to challenge them on that depth. Like if a player's out of form, replace him with this guy. Well, there's a massive drop in quality there. That's what they're dealing with. Yeah, and look, they they should beat Southampton this week. Um, Southampton's like yeah. literally bottom of the table, so they'll they'll go into the Etihad game. Um, so we'll have City will have two games in hand going into the Etihad game, um, which is midweek next week. Um, so it's a week from now, and that's a huge game to me. To me, it's a it's almost a title decider. If Arsenal win, I still think the title's over. I don't think City will come back from 10 points even though they'll have two games at hand that's just too much because that that means you'd need you'd, you'd need City to win all their games remaining and then you'd need Arsenal to drop two more games on top so if they get the win it's over the yeah if draw, Arsenal if Arsenal wins it's over City need yeah, yeah, yeah. a draw City, is not ideal but it's doable a win yeah. it's over and a win for City is massive I, I think City has to win. Any, any any result outside of a win is very detrimental to any title change title chance we have. I think I think a draw isn't. I wouldn't call it detrimental, but it's not. I like 
City can still win a title with a draw. They cannot win a title with a loss. Yeah, you'd still you'd still need Arsenal to drop two more games from a draw, which is why I'm saying it's very detrimental. Like it's you, Arsenal would have five games left, and they'd need to drop two of those five games for City to even have a chance. Where City have to play seven games and win every single one, plus play Real Madrid <laughs> halfway through those games. Wait, Anything no, else, Arsenal would only need to drop one game. I thought no. So if we, so we oh, actually wait, hold on, no, 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 you're right, because we're we're basically one point behind if we win our games in hand, right? Yeah, we are. Yes. Yep. So we'd be we would be one point behind if we win our games in hand. So, so they, they would to, just need to drop one game. Yeah, they need to drop one game. Okay. Okay, that's more doable. Okay. For some reason, in my mind, I yeah. thought they'd have to drop two. So really, a draw is not the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Interesting. I prefer to win that game. <laughs> yeah, we, we still we need to win it. It's at the Etihad. We're in good form. They're not. It's setting up for City to, like, City need to win it. And I think they're going to go with that mentality of let's let's show these guys who's boss. But I, I me, think that's how they're going to go into it. Yeah, for me, the only concern is... um. So if Nathan Aki is most likely going to be out, which and he's defended Saka very well in both times he's faced up against him. Um, so him being out of that game potentially is huge. I'm not sure how how good Laporte will be against Saka. That's the concern that I have going into that game. But we should beat him. It's, we should it's beat not him. ideal. It's not ideal, but we'll see how bad the Ake injury is. But it's not ideal to have Ake out because he does a really good job on Saka. But what also does help on the flip side is that Laporte is far better than Ake at playing out from the back. And when you're going against Arsenal's press, that's incredibly valuable. Like that's in, like he can his passing range, that's incredibly valuable against Arsenal. So we'll see it can help or hurt. We'll see if Chet Pep changes the system again. I don't think he changed the system because, like, at some point when you're out of possession, you got to play a left back. Yeah. But in possession, he's playing a back three anyway, so Laporte will be fine on that left-hand side. So I, I yeah. don't really see a change of system uh, or at least a change of formation. It's just that, like, yeah, you do worry about Laporte going up against Saka because Laporte is uh, much slower and less agile and just not as good of a defender as Nathan Ake. Yeah. Um, talking of the, so the next game, we do have an FA Cup game. Um, not really much to talk about. We know, we know they're going to rotate a lot for this game. Um, it is against Sheffield. Um, Sheffield can't play two of their players in, in Doyle and um, McAtee. So they are going to be shorthanded from their strongest 11, I think. Um, so, there will be lots of rotation. The biggest question I have for that game, does Nate, does um, Phillips start? No. You don't think he no, starts? No, 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 no. He does not start. <laughs> I think he does. If- I feel like this is his game. He finally starts because Rodri, and Rodri looked leggy today. So I don't feel like Rodri, it will be a smart 
decision. I looked at his minutes. He's played 3,600 minutes this season. He is so high. He has played more minutes than Edison. So here's he, here's my thing. If unless you Rod Green, Gundogan, but... Ugh. If... Okay, here's, here's my thing is if Calvin Phillips plays, then you know Pep doesn't care about this game at all. <laughs> that's my that's my thinking. Is like he's basically saying, look, I hope we win, but if we don't, it's not the end of the world. That's essentially what like Calvin think, Phillips has gotten to the think, point where like it's like starting Sergio Gomez. Do you not think we have enough quality though with Calvin Phillips in the team? to win a game against Sheffield United, who are a championship team at the moment, who are more worried, to be fair to them, more worried about actually getting promoted. Um, they should be promoted. Um, but, and, and they're going to be missing Doyle and McAtee, so they can't play this game. Yeah, I'm if, sure if, if, like, if I'm sure they're going to be... This game, if Phillips can't play this game, then just sell him the summer, please. I think they're going to, or at least he's going to be well. up for sale. I think but they will that, as well, like, but like, come on. I think that this is how I think about it, is that Pep only plays players that he trusts, and he clearly does not trust Calvin Phillips. So if he plays, that's telling me Pep doesn't really care. Well, that's telling me that rest is prioritized over winning the game. Like, he would rather rest his players for the Champions League and for the Premier League. And, you know, if we beat Sheffield and make the final, fine. But that's that's telling me he prioritizes the rest over the games because he does not trust Calvin Phillips. We know that. Just like he yeah. doesn't trust Sergio Gomez, just like he doesn't trust Cole Palmer, it's the same thing. And you saw what happened against Leicester. There's a reason he doesn't trust them. But, yeah, if, if Calvin Phillips starts, that to me, that's saying that he thinks the rest is more important than the game. He might not. He's not going to admit that, obviously. But that's I've, what I think. I, I think if we didn't have the Arsenal game midweek, I think he'd play Rodri. This is, this is my opinion, right? So I feel like because we've got the Arsenal game midweek, and it's probably the biggest game, you know, Probably one of the biggest games remaining outside of the two Champions League ties coming up against Madrid. That game is that big. You want a fully fit, ready to go Rodri that's rested, right? So if you play Rodri, right, and then knock on wood, he picks up an injury in an FA Cup game like that, everyone will be blasting Pep for not rotating him. So for me, I think he will prioritize the rest. I'll be very, very, very surprised if he starts Rodri. The only other way he starts Rodri is literally if it's like, okay, go out and score five goals, and then I'll sub you off at forty-five minutes. <laughs> that's the only other way I can see that working because yeah, that's that's what I think is going to happen. It's going to be similar to Leicester where they just blitz them early, yeah, and then get the guys out early because honestly, like we're going to have a ton of possession against Sheffield. We yeah, know that, yeah. right? So essentially, it's going to be like more or less a training exercise for 45 minutes. Like, I'm not yeah. saying Sheffield's a good team. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, like, the game isn't going to be like Bayern. It's not going to be intense back and forth. It's going to be City possessing the ball. I don't think that 45 minutes of that is necessarily 
like going to really affect Rodri that much. Like he probably exerts more energy in training. The the only yeah the only issue with this is it's probably the last game where we can properly rotate Rodri out. There is no other potential games for the rest of the season where Rodri can sit again. You know, oh, yeah, unless other- we're unless we're killing somebody. Yeah, say. which which means you stop him early, but from from a from a from a fully get me a full ninety minutes off, a full week off, he does not have any weeks off for the rest of the season. There will be a game coming thick and fast every three days for the until basically May 29th. May 30th, yeah, well, that's gonna be that's gonna be for most of the players though. Like after yeah, this but- game, I don't think Holland's gonna start this game, but he'll probably start every game after this game. Same with yeah. Grealish. Exactly, but right, we have the opportunity to rotate Haaland. That's my point, right? So we're going to probably rotate him. And then there are there are potential games where we rotate it, like exactly how we did against Leicester, where he rotated Laporte and Walker in, and he gave Ake a rest and gave um, uh, Stones, Stones, gave Stones a rest. Like, he, we gave our players the needed rest they needed. So Yeah, the, the difference is on those... It's still going to be a strong lineup, though. Well, the di- the difference is for those players, though, is he trusts those players. Like, he That's trusts true. Laporte, and he trusts Walker. He doesn't That's trust true. Calvin Phillips. And so I look at Calvin Phillips like Sergio Gomez or Cole Palmer. Like, he's, he's probably – if he is in the team, he's in the starting lineup, that means Pep probably doesn't care too much about this game. So at least what I think. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We've got to see. It'll be interesting. We got what three days before the FA Cup games, or two days? Yeah, under it's, it's under seventy two hours, isn't it? Yeah, under seventy two hours. Yeah, yeah, crazy, absolute crazy. Well, I think we should wrap up for me anyway. Um, yeah, let's wrap this thing up. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, great Bayern win, of course, on the semifinals, and uh, we'll see you after Sheffield. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening.